All right. Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, I have another great guest with me. His name is Dusko Shrimak. Today, in my those in my local market of Calgary would certainly know who he is based on his local influence, exposure. But many of you, like listening around North America, um, may not. But after today, I know you will be happy that you did. You see, the podcast world for me, doing this for a while, is filled with like a lot of big names, a lot of social influencers, you know, celebrity agents, people on that, you know, as you and I know, the agent to agent speaker circuit and more, and they get over and over again. But I've had some of those agents on my show, but that is not why I decided to do the show. It wasn't for that at all. Um, I do the show to bring true, tangible, relevant, and valuable advice to realtors around North America. So when I do the homework, to bring a guest on, it's because of a particular skill set that they have, and not because of some image or exposure that the guest has, or that could help my show whatsoever. Now, I say all this as I introduce Udesco, but in no way, shape, or form is this guy not a real estate influencer in this industry. He is and shows it with his insanely productive real estate team in our market. Um, Desco is one of the founding partners of something he calls Rep YYC, uh, or in other words, real estate partners here in Calgary, Alberta. So to, to check him out, quickly go to like repcalgaryhomes.ca and knowing Desco, he probably has like 14 other URLs. Um, but uh, also check out his Instagram at Rep R-E-P-Y-Y-C, where you'll see his, well, miserable, like 25 to 35,000 followers. Oh my gosh, right? Amazing yeah. group of people. So Dusko's a high producing agent himself, well into the top 1% of the entire industry. Plus he leads a mega team of agents to uh, well over a home per day sales. And I bet you're probably clipping towards two homes a day here shortly, but you and I can talk about that. Um, when I look back kind of through my in the re-education experience episodes, the last 12 to 24, I haven't had anybody on the show that plays in the production game like he does in his team, which is awesome. So today, I couldn't be more excited to finally have you on. I know it's been months in the making that we talked about this. Um, Dusko's a family man. He's a coach to his mega team. He's a sophisticated investor in property stocks more. Uh, plus a fellow partner here at Real Broker. And uh, well, there's likely a lot more I don't know about him and haven't said about him. So Dusko, welcome to the show. And well, what did I miss? <laughs> oh, that was a very generous intro. Very <laughs> generous intro. I appreciate that. <laughs> Anything else we should know right off the top about kind of who Dusko is um, to, to round it out before I kind of start grilling you with kind of questions. <laughs> no, I, I think you 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 summed it up well. You summed up very well. I, I think the main focus for sure is the team and, and the production side of things. And yeah, it's something that uh, the entire team has been working towards for many years. And we're finally starting to see some success here. Awesome. And you've got a partner in business, right? Yeah. So a few partners. Yeah. So uh, Cody Tritter uh, and then Slav Loban as well. And, you know, we're basically the three uh, three first agents on the team. And yeah, we, we've been around for almost five years and yep. we've seen it grow from, you know, two agents up to close to 35 now. 35 now. Amazing. And, uh, so, I mean, that alone is in like, that's in the, you know, from the team formation, which you and I will talk about a lot, very few get to that scale. So, I mean, congrats. And in, in five years is almost an insane feat. So amazing. Yeah, I think the the power of partnership there, right? Um, 
the main thing when we started this team was like different skill sets. You know, the three of us are very different people. Uh, Cody's more the tech SEO marketing side, Slav's the more organized um, systems guy. And I'm a little bit more of like the sales side of things. So three very different uh, types of skill sets that have managed to work. Give me a little run through of those five years from like where production started and maybe where the team's at now or maybe on pace for. I know we're only, you know, one quarter into the the, the year, but I'd love to just give our viewers a sense for that. Yeah. So uh, the three of us were actually on another team, uh, Cody in the marketing role and Slav and I were, were just agents. We were only licensed for about a year or so when we decided to, you know, make that leap and start our own team. The first, you know, six six months or so, June of 2018, uh, you don't know what you don't know. So it was a huge learning curve. Uh, and I will say it looks a lot easier from the outside looking in. Generate a few leads, get a few agents, do deals. What What's the big deal? It's a huge profit. Uh, we, we, we learned very quickly that that's not the case. Um, you know, our first full year, 2019, I think we did about 180, 185 deals. Uh, that was our first 12 months, first full year. And then we moved to like the two eighties. Um, I think we 385 and last year we're about that 500 mark. Uh, Maybe. this year, obviously we're shooting for 600 plus the market volatility, uh, and, and the interest rate hikes. I mean, they, they've, uh, they've been stressful, but I think we're still shooting for that six to six fifty this year. And I do think it's feasible as long as, uh, inventory creeps up here. Amazing. I mean, that's again, as we know, we all just came off of the unicorn year of, of our market, you know, and the other markets for people listening, they've been on like a unicorn run for like half a decade. But you know, we had one, one, one giant kind of growth and come back to see that you're still pacing ahead of that. That's a, just amazing feat to see. So I'm very thankful that I started in 17. And if we go back to 2017 in our market, I remember every single listing presentation that I did from April 2017 to about 2020 was Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Buy, uh, seller, uh, I know you guys are going to be losing $50,000, $100,000 on this sale. But on the buy side, we're going to be making money because they're losing like $200,000. And to go from that to 2021 or 2020 or even last year, where it's like, hey, you guys are making one to $300,000 was insane. I actually feel bad for agents that were licensed post COVID because they, they don't know what it was like back in the day, five years ago, four years ago. It was a much different market. Yeah, the context provides everything, right? When you get inserted into a market, and you and I know, I mean, there's just a steady influx of people in, and there's a steady influx of people out. So the amount of people that are sitting here every four years, and you put a hundred of us in a room, and you're like, how many have been here five years? You see, like, there's like 20 hands up. <laughs> You know, it's such a small amount, right? Well, I even look at the team. So when we started the team, most agents had as much, if not more experience than I did right. or that that we did. And what we've done is we've shifted more towards the new agent model for a few reasons. Number one, we can integrate and teach from one, the way that kind of we want and the systems go. There's no bad habits. Uh, and when I'm looking at the team now, I would say... 80% of the team has been licensed for less than 18 months. Wow. And then you can get them going, doing the right things, learn off the backs of your guys's experience. And uh, again, what happens is they just start executing faster, floundering less and uh, in a power position, right? Yeah. Downside 
is it's been such a volatile market. If you were with us last year, you saw it was you take someone out, you write within two hours. Hey, Mm -hmm. like we had new agents doing seven to 10 deals in a month. And now when inventory dropped 48 to 50%, interest rates have tripled since Q1 last year. Now it's a bit more like, oh, like, is this what the market's usually like? It's like, no, 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 no. Ignore the last two years of the market. It's it's just not balanced, but it's the now and it's something, uh, you know, I I love the fact that we're able to adapt quickly. We adapted very quickly in 2020, we adapted quickly in 2021, 2022, and we're still adapting, right? This is an industry where you have to adapt very quick or you're going to fall behind. I mean, for, for many of us too, like as much as it's shifted, this is still a better market than most, <laughs> you know, you know, it's yeah, oh, it's, this is way easier than 2017, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, we have a little bit more experience branding and whatnot, but in, in reality, like, do you remember when homes used to sit for 60 to 80, 90 days on market? It feels like it's been a decade since we last saw that, but yeah. So this is a crazy story. So here, you know, if you if you if you unpacked what I said, then Desco gave his little bit of his journey. You know, about a year in, you guys went off and started your team, right? So so what made you say I'm going to do this? Because w- when I made my notes for this, the first thing that came to my head, knowing that we're going to talk about team, was so many people do this wrong, right? We see teams formed wrong everywhere, and there was a hype around teams, and there's some teams that are just they come, they go. Tell me why you felt it was time to do the team thing so early and uh, and share kind of for the right for the what you feel is like for the right reasons versus maybe where you're seeing colleagues not do it correctly. I mean, I can't say I started for the right reasons either, and I'll kind of unpack that. So I came from electrical. I worked up north at Suncor and I started uh, purchasing revenue properties, investment properties. So I came from that, you know, let's invest in real estate, stocks, crypto, this, that, the other. Um, And then when I saw how profitable a team model could be and how I believed I could improve that model, uh, which uh, wasn't 100% accurate, um, I, I decided to give it a go. And thankfully I had the right partners with me. If it was just me, trust me, the team would have started in 2018 and ended in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of people start teams because they think it's sexy and they think it's very profitable and it is neither. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, people are surprised to see them still selling and the bigger the team grows, I feel like I don't work less Maybe I could, but I don't. I'm still at the office at 7 a.m. and I'm still here at 9 p.m. many, many, many nights. Um, and again, I feel like that's just, a, it's it's an industry and it's a, it's a way that we do business that's just very misunderstood. People think that it's the lead gen side, the profit. It's the bigger you get, the higher your expenses get. And I think, well, you've run a large brokerage, you've run a team also. So you know, you know, you get to five, six agents, now we need our own conveyancing or our own admin. Now we start to need to, you know, ISAs. Now we need our marketing people. So just because you sell 500 homes a year doesn't mean you're profiting like you do. Because I I know teams in our local market and um, in other markets, you know, they've grown their sales by 50% and their profits gone up 5% or less. Yeah. 
and the owners are, I mean, the, the team leaders are working as harder, harder uh, or harder. Yeah. hundred percent. And it, it's the stress that you carry, uh, for sure. Um, and no, in our first year, you know, we, we weren't profitable and our second year we were very, very little profit. And again, it's the things that people don't see behind the scenes. Realistically, I think it was our third year that we really started to profit, our 2020. Uh, and then we've just had very, very consistent growth since then. And it was a model that we knew would pay off in the future, right? There's like those lead lag factors. So if I'm investing in SEO and PPC today, you need to know that the average Calgary lead will take 400 days to convert. You might be getting them on day 100 or on day 400. It just really depends um, on your on your uh, lead gen techniques. Um, but really, like we knew the market would hit, and we knew that our um, our CRM would convert and our agents would convert eventually. So thankfully, we stuck to it. Fair enough. I mean, when you built this out, you said uh, you know try to improve on the model you knew and you were a part of. And then you kind of like laughed a little bit to say like, you know, it doesn't always play out. Can you share some of like maybe the the, the mistakes or the like the, the the few of the tactical things that like a would-be team leader that's seeing this um, may could avoid, you know, of going through this? I think that the first thing that uh, puts a lot of solo agents or a lot of agents off in general are the splits that a team offers. So when we left, the first thing I said was like, do we really need to take 50%? Can we do it off of like 25%? Can we run and grow something special with less splits? We offer more and then all the agents stay longer and they're happier. You, you realize very quickly that those splits have been around for a while for a reason. Um, and it's funny now looking back on it, I you know, there's some very large teams in our market um, that are, you know, some of the top teams in the world. I remember looking, looking at them at that point saying, wow, what a ripoff. They're right. taking so much. And then once you start adding the staff and the additional costs, it's you truly, unless you charge a certain amount, depending on what level you want to scale to, it's not a business model that's effective or profitable. And you learn that lesson very quick. We still have a lot of agents that reach out to us on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. They're interested in starting teams, especially with the brokerage that we've come to and, and the people that we've partnered with. And that's usually the first thing that they say. They ask me, what do you guys charge for splits? Okay, how can I lower that? And if anything, the bigger you grow, the higher the cost, the more you need to charge, but the more you give back as well. It's not like you're pocketing that money. And, and that's, I think, the biggest thing. It's it's a flawed business model from the get-go based off of those splits. Yeah, it's scary. I mean, I know as a team leader, being through it myself, is uh, we talked about the expenses growing as you're looking to scale. And, and, and that's one part of it. But then the responsibility that you start to bear, keep bearing, starts to go up and up. So the weight on your shoulders as a team leader is not going away you know, it, it's a responsibility level, you feel more, you feel like you have more people you're counting on to close a deal, which feels less in your control than when it was just you. And those things can be can, can be hard on somebody, right? If they can't see, you know, past, uh, you know, that growth curve, does that make sense? As I say, it? 100%. And I think the one thing to consider, we're very different from other industries. So Yes, sale prices in Calgary are up, but are we charging more than, I know there's no fixed commission, but a common commission that you may see is seven and three. Are we starting to charge nine and three because of inflation? 
Not really. But when you look at the cost of PPC, I'll give you an example. So since COVID to today, PPC costs are up about 30 to 40%. My profit's not up 30 to 40% though. Right. Right. The cost of hiring inside sales agents is up. The cost of having support staff is up because of inflation, 10, 15, 20%. So our costs have gone up due to inflation and due to more competition in the market, but has our profitability gone up? So we're constantly changing how we're structured. We're constantly changing how we can profit more. Maybe we're charging a little bit more on commission, or maybe we're hiring more agents or hiring more backend staff to be able to filter through those leads faster. So again, it's it's ever-changing. I mean, being someone who's uh, mentoring other agents and like trying to drive them to production, because if no production happens, the whole thing falls apart, right? I mean, what... But from a team leader perspective, like you said, you build costs, you build stuff, you build support. It's all off the backs of your front, you're fronting the capital. It puts the agent into this position where they're not fronting anything, but they have to front their effort. I mean, how, when you, when we, when we unpack this, are we like disservicing our agents to like never asking them to be a part of the cost structure where it's, you know what I mean? Where I'm going with this in a sense where you're just, because I've had this where on the flip end, I dropped my splits at one point. I said, you know what? Your ROI on these leads would be 10X if you just fronted the cash on your own, but they don't want it, right? In general, they're like, that's scary to me because I'd rather pay the big split versus the out-of-pocket. And can you, can you, as I say that, I mean, I see you stirring there. What, what comes to mind? It's very difficult when we hire new agents, this is another downside because you don't know what you have unless you have it, if you unless you have something to compare it to. So I love hiring agents that have been solo agents for at least a year or at least six months because they know the struggle, they know the value of what you're providing. If you come into a team that's been established where we have marketing, inside sales agents, staff, runners, so basically you get a listing. You send one email, the sign goes up, the photos, the measurements, the video gets booked, everything gets done for you. You think, okay, well, this is the norm. Mm -hmm. This all gets done for you. And and the difficulty is with a lot of new agents is um, teams build egos. I've said this since I was on a team five years ago, where it's very easy to think that you are the reason or you're the only reason that this production is happening. And hey, I'll be the first to say I fall into that trap. But when I when I unpack it and I take a step back, well, without our video guy, without the social media managers, without the marketing, like it's just me on a lonely island. And the strength of the team is each individual member and the strength of each member is the team. Phil Jackson, by the way. There you uh, go. <laughs> and, 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 and the thing there is... Um, you know, without the team members, we're, we're nobodies, right? We're, we're a losing business. And I do feel without a strong team to back you, um, that's, you know, um, trying to evolve and grow, uh, year by year and improve. Um, again, it's, it's tough. It's tough to compete in this market. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that actually brought me to one of my other questions for you is you made the conscious effort to do something different than what majority of the teams get built around, right? The generally a team is built out off the tops of a, of a high producer who has built a name 
and the name becomes the star and it's in every market around North America. But you flipped it. You said, no, we're going to go and create Rep YYC, right? Real estate partners in general. And which, as I, as I see this, it's a lot harder to do that because you're building now a brand that is to be recognized that has to create value when you think of it versus somebody's name, which is generally way more memorable, easier to use, but of course only highlights that the star. And can you, can you, can you walk me through that? Yeah. So the way that we looked at it was, I'll take our, our brokerage, for example, would you rather be a part of real broker or Tamir Poleg and company? Right. I, the way that we wanted to structure it is if someone were to go do a listing presentation or to meet a new buyer, the goal is that everybody is a partner. So I'm partners with the real estate partners at Real Broker. It's not, I'm a partner with Dusko Mac and Associates at Real Broker. Um, and it's not just about our name being grown. So a, a few things. A, it's a lot easier for someone to slide into our system and co-brand themselves and their name, and they be the focus. Number two, I know this hasn't been executed well in within our industry for some time, but I do think that there's going to be a big shift where I do think someone could come in and purchase us one day. Not that that's the plan coming into it, but it is something to keep, uh, to be aware of. Not only is it easier to a brand, not circled around one person or centered towards one person, it's also easier to get out one day if you need to, or if you wanted to. Yeah. No, I love it. And, I, and the, the idea of an agent slotting in is exactly, you know, that it's that it's that we're now co-partners in this and you, you, you have it in your name, but when teams are done well, you want the agents who aren't the leaders to feel like they want to rep the brand. Right. And, uh, and that's a hard thing to do when you flip it the other way, it costs more money to do what you did though. Meaning to brand something that means something takes volume, takes marketing dollars, uh, and but you did that right off the get go. But of course, it's now started to pay off. But it's a longer journey to get there. Fair to say, much longer journey, tougher journey for sure. Um, but the payoff is huge. It's massive, and it's nice now when someone says, "Hey, I saw one of your signs. I saw one of the rep signs," or they know us by the brand instead of the person. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I, one of my questions was retention with your agents, and and you know, the bigger you go, the more transitionary you know agents are sometimes, right? There's always like a third that tend to like come and go, and then there's your core crew that stays. But I would assume under the brands setup that you guys have, that the retention is a little easier too, right? Yeah, the retention's been surprising. It's been good. I mean, um, over the last since we joined Real just over a year ago, we've doubled. We've more than doubled. So we had a little bit of turnover, but again, uh, very, very low when you consider what the industry sees on a, on a daily basis. Um, I feel like we have very good culture and it's that's probably been, been our biggest struggle over the last uh, 12 months is how, how do we go from being, you know, 10 to 12 agents to being over 30, but keeping the keeping the group, keeping that culture alive and going. And it's been very tough, especially with COVID because yeah. before we were doing pizza night every Thursday where we'd come in and we'd make calls for two, three hours and send emails for an hour. And we joke and throw the football around. And we went from that to zoom calls two, three times a week right? to not being allowed into the office for six months. And now, you know, culture wise, like we, we have our own office, 
which has been probably the best business decision uh, we've ever made. Huge mm -hmm. costs and overhead, but just to keep that culture and to allow people to come here, meet, uh, see face-to-face, -face, I feel like that's like very undervalued. I know that we joined a cloud-based brokerage, uh, but there's still something to be said about having your own space for collaboration and meeting face-to-face. -face. 100%. I mean, a couple of things you said, you know, we all know this business is incredibly lonely by yourself. You're on the biggest island and, and you're going to sink, right? Most likely. But when you have a place like that and you've got a, an ability, scaling culture was always the hardest thing I found. Like when I went from team-based brokerage to what we created, that scaling everything else was just like, okay, a little more dollars, a little more people, you know, but scaling culture through agents who are independent contractors is a whole different story and requires, and I think a lot of agents don't realize this, leadership that does this well puts in a ton of intention there like that will keep you up at night right and and, and just knowing that leadership that do it well care so much i think gets lost sometimes because it is so tricky to do right two two things to add there uh one like the loneliness side of things like this is a very lonely business mm -hmm. this is a very lonely business and then taking taking a step back like if you're part of the management team or you run a team, it's also very lonely yeah. because no one understands the stress and the pressure you're under uh, except for other team leads. And this is where real, um, it was an easy, easy transition into real. So we've partnered up with, you know, Mike, Star, Paul out of Edmonton, and they run large teams. They understand what the costs are, are associated with running these teams. Um, and it's nice to just be able to kind of, you know, be honest and open. And and it's nice to hear that other agents have the same stress that you do. Of course. Right? That, yeah. you're not, that you're not in it. And of course, like your, our business partners, you know, uh, Cody and Slab, they have the same stress. But it's nice hearing it from a different marketplace that we're not the only ones dealing with XYZ issues. Um, and then on the culture side of things, I think it's, it's difficult when you grow and it's difficult when you grow quick because certain people join the team because it's six to eight agents, eight to 10, eight to 12 agents. And then once it gets to that 25, 30, 35, the culture has changed. That's not what they signed up for. Mm -hmm. So it's just that touch and go. And we go from, you know, under 10 agents is very manageable extremely manageable. You set up systems, they're in and out. Um, but I'll tell you what happens with our team. Every June to August, we lose 50 to 80% of our team to summer holidays. Right. And what we noticed in those first one or two summers was um, we'd go down to three agents, including myself. So I go from, you know, working with eight, 12 clients to working with 20 to 23 clients, along with all those other agents. Right. You're working overtime. So by the time everybody's back in September, you're burnt out going into end of Q3, beginning of Q4. And that was just a cycle after the second summer. I was like, well, look, we can't do this. As much as I'd love to keep it a small group of ninjas, without that growth, I mean, we're going to hinder ourselves. And that's one big mistake that we made a few years mm -hmm. ago where we intentionally kept it small and we said no to some amazing agents that we still laugh about that decision but um at the end of the day like without that growth you're going to really fall behind it's funny you say that and uh, i had i 
I had the exact same, like we, at one point within our, the ultra boutique brokerage redline was as an indie, we were putting in a cap in our heads too, because we didn't want to screw up culture that had taken so long to grow. And even by planting the seed, we, we in putting it out to the world, we hampered our growth without ever saying it because we, as people, as leaders acted differently out of thought for it. And it actually hurt us probably for 24 months, right? Before mm -hmm. we kind of woke up to say, what are we doing? Even though there was no real intentional differences to the world, there's no publicly stated, but it didn't hurt. It didn't help us. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, now, like I remember last year, we'd interview, I would say like two agents a week. Now we're up to three to four agents a week. And that's for the brokerage and for the team. And we've become a lot more selective for both. Um, there are certain people that you're going to gel with and they're going to fit into the system. Great. Uh, and I'm blessed. I feel blessed. And I am very happy that we're in a position in within our business where we don't have to hire. We don't have to, we can just maintain for a little while, especially going through spring and we have more than enough agents. Um, we just need to find the right agents and I, we're all going to make the hiring mistakes. Um, and, you know, like we've made plenty of mistakes or maybe just mismatches. And I think relationships change over time. So, you know, if you and I work together today, it doesn't mean our relationship's going to be the same in a 12 months or even, yeah. you know, two years. So I think it's just reevaluating who we want to be with long term and what our business looks like and just trying to find the right fits um, can be a little bit trickier than what I anticipated. Could you give us again for people like running your level of volume and the size that you just said again it's over most people's heads but i'd love to get a sense for like what is the week in the life of an agent on your team and you don't have to hit go super deep but just like what would be the cadence of effort from leadership meetings you know whatever it just to say like what people are buying into to run something that is obviously producing in a way that most people would only dream of so if you're a newer, I'll, I'll do it from a newer agent point of view. So if you just got licensed, we interview, you join the team. Um, there is, are two required meetings. There are going to be a general team meeting and some community construction training on Fridays. Um, at the beginning, it's very front loaded on, um, we, it, we essentially have a class, a course. When you join, you go through a five-week course where we have everything basically to the day. It's almost like a classroom where it's, hey, you're going to come to this meeting, watch these three videos that we've pre-recorded from a month ago training, and it's just getting them comfortable with the system. Um, the, the one thing about our team is we went from, with that growth, we knew that we had to create systems. So we have a video for absolutely everything. I have a video for pulling titles, to searching on matrix, all the way to writing a contract, how to write contracts. I think we have over 200 terms and conditions as well that you could search up. Um, so just making it more efficient for the management team as well. Um, so we have the two meetings and essentially um, when you're trying to build up your business, there's gonna be a lot of front end work, practicing calls. So typically we're gonna see newer agents practice calling and scripting um, You know, for anywhere from two to four hours a day in that first week. Uh, until they get a little bit more comfortable with it, then you'll you'll see uh, a lot of the high producing agents are spending one to two hours a day consistently, like with their calls, with their lead generation and lead efforts. Um, that's one thing that's been uh, uh, eye opening. Not everybody's going to want to make calls. 
even though the results are there, it's not for everyone. Same thing with door knocking. Door knocking is not for everyone. Social media is not for everyone, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's been one pain point. It takes time, right? Uh, but sorry, to get back to it, basically the, we have the two meetings and we have the one to two hours a day of lead generation. Once your business starts flowing on a consistent basis, maybe it's within the first month or in, into the second month, you're going to probably be showing anywhere from four to seven days a week. Or especially in like peak season, like we're entering right now, a lot of our agents are showing two to four clients a day, seven days a week. Right. But obviously that level of volume can creep up to like five to 10 transactions a month or even more sometimes. Yeah. I mean that, I like that you were able to outline that because again, it shows to either the people considering if they were do a team, you need to set up this level of of, of sophistication over time. Not You're not going to have what Dusko has in day one when you start a team, but to build towards that level to help scale yourself, to help repeat, but also to create that infrastructure and ecosystem where agents are doing that level of conversations and prospecting and, and, and training delivers an agent that can do five to 10 deals a month. Because if you're not, most people listening would say, well, shit, I'm not making an hour of prospecting calls a week, let alone what he just said per day, right? The I remember when we started the team, like I have a construction background and what I noticed in our, within our industry is the, the product, the home, the knowledge there is quite low because our industry as a whole, we don't have a resource for education. There's no classes that you and I can attend to learn about mid-efficient, high-efficiency furnaces, T-lock, shingles, or preserved wood foundations. Right. It's basically like, hey, Darren, figure it out on your own. So our USP, our unique selling proposition is we teach construction multiple hours a week. And our expectation of our agents is to just pick up and learn those basic things. And I compare it to car sales. If you're going to get a job at Ford, Shouldn't you know what type of motor is in an F-150? Maybe the suspension, the prices. Same thing with homes. You should know about the community if you're going to show it. You might not be the community expert. You may not live there, but you have the same access to data and info that they do. So why can't you be an expert in that, in that area? Same thing with construction. We go through how the mechanical systems work, what to look out for, what to point out. Right. And not only are we saving our clients time, we're educating them about their liabilities and we're preventing them from maybe writing an offer on a home that may potentially have tens of thousands of dollars worth of uh, fixes, costs. Um, and then we just wasted their 650 bucks on the home inspection and two weeks of their life. Mm -hmm. And you're speaking about something you know, I have no idea about for most agents. And I love. <laughs> I don't think I've actually ever spoken to a team leader in all of my years. And I've been blessed to be a part of some great circles where they spend as much energy as I know you do around this, right? Really building up an agent. I can give you a personal example where I failed miserably. And it was in my prior job before being a realtor. I was a sales rep at Finning Canada. I was a mechanical engineer trained person thrown into a sales role. It was a technical sales role, and I had to learn about gas compression engines. But I can tell you, they didn't train me on gas compression engines. I sold stuff through people and supplied the sales job, which is like we are as realtors, through multi-million dollar engine purchases. And I can tell you, I knew virtually nothing about them. And I was a worse 
product sales support rep than these guys that knew it. But somehow I snaked my way through this, right? And in us in real estate, it happens too much, right? And I'm so glad you brought this up. And it might be an aha for some to say, how do I learn a little more about what Desco is talking about? Probably should know this stuff. Well, even like team weeds, team weeds call or agents looking to start teams. And it's like, okay, other than the weeds that they could generate themselves, they just don't want to take that risk financially. What else are you doing for them? Mm -hmm. And and the answer can't just be weeds. There has to be some form of mentorship and guidance, something where where you can actually show them how that you're going to progress their career. And I think that our TSN turning point was when we took Slab out of production. Mm. And that was very difficult for our business because Slab's an agent who would do, hopefully he doesn't mind me talking about this, two to 300 plus thousand dollars a year on a team. He was a top producing agent. And then to take that, not just away from him, but also from the team income and put him in a role where he could make significantly less and would be making significantly less, but he would help educate those agents, be a full-time resource. Because I know my strengths and weaknesses. I'm not organized, especially as organized as Slav, and I'm not as patient as Slav. So maybe I'm a good leader in some regard, but I'm a terrible leader when it comes to uh, sometimes mentorship because I'm, maybe I'm, I'm not as patient. And I feel like what we always looked at was who's the best in this role? Slav was the best. And since we put Slav in that role and he like hyper-focused on just education and building out systems, I focused on just um, selling and also building out some of the sales roles and systems. And Cody just started focusing on that. That's when we saw the profits. Right. We had to maybe lose 150 to gain a lot more. Yeah. And so many people will never take that step back. Right. Uh, and, and, and then the business never gets to the point of past that first mountain and gets to profitability because they're not willing to take the money off the table. Same thing when I was growing my brokerage. I had to pull back in order to provide enough. And again, why does most brokerages sit at 20 to 30 agents? Because that team, the leader's not willing to do it, right? Um, but, but maybe the leader's not the right person. Yeah. Right? It, just because you're willing to take a step back doesn't mean that your team will be positively affected by that. And I feel like a lot of leaders on, on teams, a lot of team owners think that they can fill certain roles. And sometimes you just need to be honest with yourself and say, maybe I'm not the one. Maybe I continue to sell and one of my agents is a better leader than I am. And then we put them into that role. So in the last 12 months, we've created many different roles. So now not, not only do we have Slav as a team leader and head of education, we also have four team leads that take on those newer agents and go to CMAs, go to showings, answer questions about contracts. The next layer is Slav. He's also there to answer those questions and add, add more support. Because the thing is, how do we get an agent day one, starting our course, to day 90 making money? Because at the end of the day, um, to get a firm grasp on our industry, I personally think you need to do 100 transactions. To know, like, to uh, to mitigate uh, liabilities, to understand contracts, uh, to understand communities. I feel like it takes a few years for you to become comfortable in our industry. So, how do we get them producing so they can afford to continue being a full time agent, but yeah. also reduce those liabilities? And what we basically have it as, um, you know, 
our agents typically, you know, send us the contracts for review so we can suggest, mm. right? We have that one-on-one training. We go to listing presentations with them. We go to buyer presentations with them because if nobody's there to give you that feedback, how do you get better? Totally. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, there, sometimes there's a lot of shade thrown at teams because of the cost structures and that kind of stuff, but they don't, when done well, like what you've done, like a true team builder versus some, you know, frontage where it makes me look better or stronger from a marketing perspective is truly what is supporting the clients, right? Which is the end goal more than anything. It's, it's, it's how the industry is progressing positively through that, right? And, and I love that what you're doing. Can I spin into, you've, you guys have jumped into video a lot as well, right? And you, you've been doing community after community after community videos. And, and you've, been doing, you've been doing this for a bit because I know, again, you, I mean, your goal is to take over the world. But, uh, but uh, you've done it. I'd love to know. And you've also done this stint of almost like bringing out the negatives of some of these communities, which I thought was a cool, fun spin as well. What have you learned by going through this journey? Right. Cause again, ROI isn't right away, but I'd love to just know, like, cause you've done a lot of this way more than most will ta- tackle. There is an ROI and it's a long-term ROI that we work towards. Um, the, the video styles, like you're right. We, we take that negative approach. So I'm going to tell you what you need to look out for in this community, because that's how we sell. So when I go to a regular buyer appointment and let's say it's in Haysboro, I'm not going to talk about, oh, they knocked down this load-bearing wall, installed an LVL. It's beautiful. I'll say, hey, do these guys have permits for this work? Did they replace the sewer? I know the sewer is probably going to have to get replaced. Let's stick a camera down. Like, I feel like if you're honest and you're pointing out the negatives, it's a lot more powerful than the positives. Um, on, in terms of the video side, I mean, I it's tough. It's t- When you're busy and you know, now I have a family. It's very difficult to um, to book in videos where there's uh, not that instant gratification, right? It's not like we're writing a deal from it tomorrow, but you're trying to grow that brand long-term. So what I've done is it's, it's helped me be a lot more organized with my schedule. So every Monday morning, no matter what, I'm shooting content. That is my day. Uh, sometimes I add a second day if I have another listing coming up or whatnot, but Monday mornings are dedicated three to four hours for content. Uh, we've reached a bottleneck because more of our agents are now shooting content. We have, you know, several listings a week coming live. So now we're going to, uh, scale and hire a full-time editor. So now our content will never be delayed. You'll see a steady stream of content coming through, uh, feedback wise, we've received a lot of good feedback. Um, it's, it's always funny because. I tend to forget like who's the audience I'm trying to attract. Uh, most agents, like if you go to pick any agent in Calgary, large agent, click on their profile, even Brad, click on Brad's profile, go look at who's making comments. It's not clients. No. It's not clients. It's always other agents. It's always other agents. And that's who you tend to attract. And obviously with our new business model as well and, and switching brokerages, um, we did want to produce more content to help other agents as well. Um, so that's why we've kind of moved it to, um, the real estate side for general public and also, uh, just for, just for agents. And we're going to be launching two new YouTube channels for me here in the next uh, two to three weeks, which I'm super excited about because it's going to have the same, um, distinction there, one for consumer and one for real estate only, uh, similar to what you have. 
That's amazing. Yeah, that was one of my questions. What's next with it? Because I know you get the long game, right? And even seeing some of your agents stepping up now and get in front of the cameras and doing it, and you've been pulling them into that as I have over the years, which I love that. Um, and again, they, it's hard for them to sometimes see the long game, right? Because of the investment and the time. Um, but uh, there's a balance, though, right? Like I see there's two, there's two camps of this and the way you look at it, there's a lot of newer agents, newer to the industry who are all in on social. And I feel like that's a really tricky game to play because uh, we, we know some very successful social media agents in our local market, but there can't be 30 of them. There's probably only going to be one or two clear winners. Um, and, and the advice I always give to newer agents is, yeah, double down on social for sure. But there has to be something, uh, a way that you're getting in front of people on a consistent basis to earn that consistent income. Otherwise, um, it's just not a feasible industry for you to be in. It's too expensive. Yeah. And again, if anything, these guys just need to know that it's, it's I use the term maintenance and growth, right? So a lot of the time is just to be in front of the people that love and trust you already and just make sure you don't get you know, trapped by the online lead guy or the the community farm expert or the guy that ends up in your door to your friends. But so many people think social media has to be all about growth and new people. There's a limited growth opportunity there for that, but you can really stay in front of your folks, right? And and, and be that present realtor when, and, and that's how I like these newer agents to think about it. Like, don't just think it has to be this growth opportunity. It can just be a maintenance one which is the best one ever. You and I, well, actually I've been doing this way longer than you, but we didn't have these tools back then, right? Well, okay. You do a TikTok video, get a million views, you get one lead out of it. How are you going to advise for them to purchase a home in Douglasdale if you've never been in Douglasdale? You don't know the community and you don't know any of the construction. Like, what do you talk about? Totally. And I feel like we always like focus like brand new agents that come in, they're like, hey, I've been a solo agent for five, six months. I need to join a team. Why do you want to join a team? Leads. Oh, I'll I'll just show you how to get leads. That's no problem. Right. It's just like the values, the education, the camaraderie, the marketing, the brand. Um, yeah. But I feel like a lot of agents coming into the industry, they jump to like, I need leads to survive, but they don't spend enough time building a solid foundation of knowledge because the, the value is what'll separate you from everybody else. The average lead in Calgary registers on three different websites. Yeah. Just because Darren calls, Dusko calls, like Brad calls, um, one of us has to show enough value for them to answer the phone again or to to reach out back to us. Otherwise, it's always trying to play that timing game of like, are you ready to buy now? Are you ready to buy now? It's adding a little bit of value. I mean, conversion goes up 40%. Totally. Let's speak to that. So you you mean you're one of the leading online lead generators, certainly in our market, and you could sit toe to toe with any of the mega teams, which tend to do a ton of this, like every mega team is is pounds this and understands this. Um, what is a cost per lead today? What agents need to know? Yeah, I mean, it depends on what source, like, like you can still generate dollar leads. But what is the intention? right? Where are you generating these leads? Facebook leads are still popular. TikTok, Instagram leads are still popular. Just remember, I'm not going to Facebook to buy a home. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to uh, TikTok to you know look at a walkthrough and actually purchase that home. So you're just kind of spraying and praying, but sure, you're going to get a lot of very cheap contacts. Um, the SEO side of things, like for sure, that's where you know the biggest player in our market does a lot of his business from and, and the advertising side and a lot of people reaching out to them because they're so well known. For us, we get a lot from social organically. 
We're starting to generate on YouTube. We do PPC. So we've spread it out. I have bus benches all over the place. What is a cost per lead? Um, a quality lead, I think, is still going to be in that $12 to $18 a lead. Uh, when we started doing lead generation, I mean, I think our average quality lead was $7 to $10. I remember when it hit $10, I almost had a heart attack. Uh, yeah. And now it's you know $15 to $18 is pretty regular. Totally. No, I agree. And then you said 400 days is the average length of conversion. That's what you've seen in your system. Yeah. And so think of it like this. Your partner and yourself, you know, you guys are are sitting at home one night and think, you know what, the house is getting pretty tight. I want to, I want to start taking a look at other homes. Maybe that research phase of like, where do we want to move? What does that look like? Takes two to three months. Then you're going to start to maybe consider getting that pre-approval done. That'll probably take another two to three months. And like our system and our database typically shows that um, pre-COVID, the average lead took about six months to convert. That three to six months was always crucial. Uh, the first um, you know, few months of doing online lead gen, we had almost no conversions because people take time to make those mm -hmm. big decisions. Um, but the 400 days comes from like the average cycle. And then by the time they do get pre-approved and they are starting to narrow it down, it's a matter of like finding where the right home is, finding the right agent, submitting an offer, taking possession. Uh, but after COVID, post-COVID, when Homes became more scarce. Days on market came down. Uh, I remember last year we were averaging uh, these leads converting in the first thirty days, and that oh, was wow. a four four to five months. Most of the leads that we connected with that were pre qualified within thirty days they were purchasing. Uh, and I remember doing having months where we sold seventy to eighty homes in a month, where you know that used to take us like three months to do. Mm -hmm. So there was that. That was like a you know, almost like everything collided into this perfect, like, wow, online leads are just frothy and work and they work so well. But in typically you're, you're looking more like a year, like you may expect that kind of runway. Is that kind of fair to say if you're getting yeah, into this? like, let's do a five-year uh, scope. 85% yeah. of your business is six months plus out. That's, that's always a good way of looking at it. And that's with a CRM that's been around for 12 months. Right. right? Yeah. So, so you've got some like I, I, we do a Monday morning update email where the agents email us, like how many hot or active clients are you working with? Which ones are tricky and how can we help? And I always just take a deep, deep dive on those. Who am I actively working with or who do I think can convert in the next 90 days? Typically in December, January, the list is this long. Right. Because it's, we're, we're, you know, you know, Calgary real estate, it's a cycle. And we're very um, weather dependent, um, you know, seasonal. It's a very seasonal market where November, December, and most of January, it's quite slow. Inventory is almost non-existent. But once we hit March, April, May, or weather like this, like plus five, I mean, the office is virtually empty. Everybody is out showing today. Right. Right. So it's so just... Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I mean, so the, the length of time to conversion is one thing. Average touches to convert. Do you have that number? Like, well, how many? Like, really, what is somebody signing up for? Industry average is going to be about eight, eight about touches eight. for to see that conversion. Genuinely, though, like, what are the quality of touches, though? And what I mean by that is, should someone register looking for a home in Douglasdale, and I can say, oh, Douglasdale, have you guys considered the 
mechanical, like the mid-efficient uh, furnaces, the hot water tank costs, some of the windows, the wood, wood shake roofs. Uh, is that a cost? Are you guys looking, are you guys okay with potentially spending an extra 50, 80, $90,000? Well, no, we were hoping to have something a little bit more moving ready. Should we consider something newer? You start a quality conversation. Now I don't have to call them another two, three times to touch base on their timing. I've added that value on the front end to build that relationship that much quicker. So we we have that trust and rapport because think about it. I call you, I'm a complete stranger. You're automatically going to say, oh, no, dude, I was just looking. Mm -hmm. I, I was just looking. I just filled out the form. I was just, hey, look, if I start the conversation off by saying, hey, I know you're just looking. Just notice that you were looking Douglasdale. Um, do you have any specific questions? Do you live in the area? Here's three things that you should consider before you buy in Douglasdale. Adding that value and that, um, you know, that that adding that value, but also that like concern, like, hey, like you need to keep these things in mind prior to buying instead of, hey, did you guys know that there's a river there and a walking path and a golf course? It's like, yeah, I, I did know that. Right. Uh, but adding it where it's like it could you're trying to save them money and add value from the get go. I think you it, it cuts the communication to half. That makes it or, or less. Yeah. I don't even know if I've heard that somebody say that either. And just is like going after it. You know, you know, you may not have a chance to to chat with them again, because you never know when they're picking up the phone or answering email, you might as well throw a little bit of like, value and like we or plant like a little interrupt the pattern type move to say like oh wow i hadn't thought about that right mm -hmm. is you know you mean talk about mahogany and you say oh yeah i hope you you know you you must love like living it's like of course i do right um i love i love that play on it i, I wanted to ask and this is a question i actually don't know the answer to a lot of these platforms are connecting now with the social profiles of these people. So it says, oh, we found the connection on Facebook. We found it on Insta. We're, we're on LinkedIn. You guys, from an outreach standpoint, use that to your advantage. And does it actually help? Is it that a, like, is that another new connection that's started to be fruitful from a, from a data perspective? Yes and no. Uh, yeah, it, it can definitely be very helpful. This is the thing, though. If you're going to be in an online lead gen, it is a numbers game. You need to connect with the most amount of people and show the most amount of value. And I remember when we started, it'd be like, okay, Dar Darren Langell registered. Okay, I'm gonna look him up. It's like, okay, he's an engineer. Okay, so he's gonna be a C on the disk type. I'm gonna slow it down. I'm gonna provide a lot more data. Where does he live? Oh, I can't find that. Oh, I see pictures. Okay, he has a dog and a family. Awesome. And then I call you and then you don't answer. So I just wasted 10 minutes writing notes and you didn't answer. So then I go back and you don't answer again. Maybe you answered down the road and I've done that research. But what we've found is if you can just focus on like understanding the communities and the construction side of things, it, you can get a lot more dials and a lot more connections. There is for sure value there of knowing who you're speaking with. Uh, but if you have that ability to change and you understand the disc profile, construction, the market, and the communities, there's no way that you should not be able to lead on the phone. Gotcha. I mean, a quicker way to create that quality two-way. Uh, yeah, because like, think about it. Like if you if you generate 100, like we generate over 100 leads a day, well over 100 leads every single day. And if there's three agents that get, let's say 10 each, and if you're doing that research, instead of those 10 calls taking you maybe 35, 40 minutes, if you have a 50% answer rate, those calls may take you two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And then instead of reaching those five people, 
maybe you reach one of them because speed to lead is very crucial in this game. Yeah, that hasn't changed, right? It just continues to be the case over and over again, year after year. Yep. Do you do you guys um, run paid leads to your own database to just stay in front of them? Retargeting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, re- retargeting is important as well. And we absolutely do. Um, what we've done over the past few years is, you know, we did the research on our own. We don't like to have our providers do the lead gen for us. Uh, so we like to be in control of our our ads and our PPC and our SEO. Um, and then what we've done over the past two years is just become more aware and more educated on some newer tactics that we can employ and uh, retargeting being one of them and creating those lists and always staying top of mind. That so on top of the on, on top of the value that we provide and on top of like newsletters and certain email campaigns and text campaigns that we do and videos that we've introduced to a lot of our um, marketing and messaging, uh, now we're retargeting. So it's always top of mind. And when you see some of the biggest teams in the world, in our local market and other markets, it's always like in your face marketing, it's top of mind, top of mind. And that retargeting message or that retargeting ad um, does the message, does the message change? Are you, you know, what are you seeing? Yeah, I think it's important to, to test messaging, right? So like A and B testing or ABC testing. So which, which message, um, gets the most click through rate, which ad gets the most click through rate. I think it's easy to just say, Hey, um, guaranteed sold free home eval markets changing, get your free market report. But what if we capitalize, um, just the first letter of the ad instead of all all caps? What if we add three question marks? What if the ad has me with a surprised face? What? How do the ads perform with a person in it versus no branding at all, right? So it's just trying to figure out which one works best and the unique ones tend to work the best. Mm-hmm. Even like in our email campaigns, instead of me like, dear Darren, what is one, two, three Apple Street worth? We'll change it up so the subject line says, I have amazing news about 123 Apple Street or how many buyers do I have for 123 Apple Street? And I start the sentence off in my email body saying dozens, dot, dot, dot. And I'll let you know how I'm able to generate dozens of uh, buyer leads for you or buyer clients for you. And I just dive into the body. So it's just like changing it up, almost having a conversation instead of it always being super professional. Yeah. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. And you only get there when you're willing to put enough uh, reps out there, right? You're only willing to do it and try it because and so many people don't do it enough that an A-B test seems like overwhelming because they're like, well, I don't actually don't even send an email a month, <laughs> you know? I think a lot of agents, a lot of businesses rely on third parties. So you're going to rely on real estate webmasters, on Boomtown to run your ads for you. But really, do you understand how they're running those ads or why? Or how much are you giving up on your ad spend? Maybe 15 to 20% for some management fees. So you're just increasing cost over cost over cost. And same with the EMB testing. Like you're right. How many people have the time to do that? Mm-hmm. And that's why our business was really not that profitable at all for the first two years, because we had to put in that legwork and that structure for to understand um, where we're spending our money and how to capitalize on that. Totally. Man, so, I mean, you've been a part of uh, the, the industry continuing to evolve and you and I made this choice 
to evolve with it here recently when we joined Real Broker. Um, you know, and the evolution of these cloud-based brokerages is, of course, happening, and you're seeing a, a massive growth curve within them. But, but as you look at the industry, and as you look at social and video, I mean, where do you see our real estate industry growing from like what it was when we grew up? I mean, where, when you think of this and like just paint the picture, have these like conversations with your with your 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 peers, where, where do you think this industry is going? I think a lot more brokerages will have to shift to the cloud-based model. I, I am happy that our industry has evolved to offer agents options. Um, when I started, there's only like which wasn't that long ago. I yeah. feel as though there's only like three to four real options for me to go to that stood out. Now, fast forward, you know, six years later, I feel like there's dozens of options. I feel as though the the cloud-based rev share model is the way of the future because it truly does give back to the agents and it does allow agents to be, um, it's a mutually beneficial relationship financially, uh, the collaboration side, not just business to business, but also like the the downstream of, of the rev share. Um, uh, that's absolutely where I see it going. The evolution of video over the past five years has been astonishing. Quick story. I met Brad McCallum when he first started. Him and I were very new agents. We went for lunch um, with Cody and he was telling us his video idea. You know, he's telling us, uh, it takes me 12 hours to film, edit, produce everything in the video. And I looked at him and the first thing I said was, you'll never scale. You cannot spend that much time to, 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 to shoot. The ROI is so low. I shoot a video in 30 minutes and then it gets edited for another two hours and we're done. And it's video versus video. Fast forward five years later, Brad is a YouTube real estate celebrity, right? And it's just, you, you really have to be open-minded and an early adopter as to like where the industry is going. And in fast forward three to four years from now, if you don't have a YouTube channel, if you're not shooting content and videos, I just don't see how A, you're providing any value to your client and B, you're not doing your business a favor. And it's pretty simple because that's where the consumers are, right? I mean, and going more and more, you know, the majority of our population is getting more distracted, more like looking for those little things, looking for entertainment, because there's not a lot of positives out there. So we end up on these places and, you know, like it or not, we're marketers, not just salespeople. And we have to be on these things or else you're right. You're going to be, you'll be forgotten about pretty quickly, right? And I think it's tough because we we wear many hats. Like you're going to do marketing, video shoots, show buyers, do your accounting, like A, B, C, D. And I think that's why we've seen teams double, triple, quadruple over the last few years. Because as a collaborative, it's a lot easier to shoot content, cover costs, uh, and grow your business rather than try and take it all on on your own. I mean, if we knew there was a hedge against your own business falling to zero today, right? If you knew in five years from now, there was something you could do so that you have a job, right? You know, it would be dedicating to exactly what we're talking about. We'd be building this now. And in five years may seem like a lot when you're looking for your next paycheck, but five years from now, having nothing because of the rise of those that will take it from you, that should wake you up. You know what I mean? And, and, and again, yeah, like I, I 100% agree. And YouTube is the second biggest search engine in the world. 
And I always ask people, do you think that people will go towards written content or video in the next five years? And if you think it's video, then double down on video, right? I think that, you know, similar to Justin Haver in our local marketplace where he focused on SEO 10 years ago, 12, 13 years ago, now's the time to focus on video. This is the SEO of 10 years ago. Yeah, I love it. I mean, what else, anything else fires you up about the industry right now? I mean, we're excited about this model, the connectivity. I mean, guys like myself been in this thing for 18 years. I've never been more excited about building culture, scaling, learning from people. You know, like you said, sharing, and it's a win-win for all parties, brokerage, agent, brand. A lot of fun in the industry. Anything else right now that's got you pretty jacked or even maybe like pissed off? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what's what's not working out there? Yeah, I mean- Honestly, like I'm in love with this model. I'm in love with this model. I think it's just like it's um it's surprising when people come to this rev share model and their expectations because everybody I think comes to you know the exps and the reels of the world expecting that everybody's gonna come under them. And I think it's important to remember like what is your value? Why would someone go under Darren versus Dusko versus Brad versus Joe Blow? Uh, and and I think that's something that's not talked about right because it's like the recruiting mindset but genuinely like it is a business and the way that i look at it is uh the people in our downline we're partners with them and they do have a value and, and i have a value in their business as well when i consider paul the relationship that we have with our partner paul uh runs a large team in edmonton like we go back and forth on seo on ppc on conversion on isas not only have they helped us financially with the downline they've also helped us perfect some of the scripting and how we manage our agents and expectations as well. And I remember a few years ago when we, when I was still at a different brokerage, that wasn't the case. Because you're not tied financially, there is a line where people stop helping. Big time. Right? They'll, they'll only help you so much until you get to a certain size. And, and now I feel like I'm uh, among some amazing agents such as yourself, uh, where there's a lot of experience and a lot of room to to grow and and become better. Yeah, I mean it is it is something pretty special. You generally, if you're part of say a traditional brand or a, a small independent, and there'll be a tribe there, there'll be some version of culture, some really good, some really bad, but you're you're tied to the people in that 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 place. So that's one brand. Now what we're seeing is. Like when I ran a strong cultural based organization at Redline, it was a pretty good size, but I would have never connected with a U, right? I would never connect with my buddies out in Vancouver now, or my friends out in Ontario, even if they wore the same banner, there was no conversation. There was no financial reason. And you didn't even have a vested interest in the overall long-term strategy, the company, right? You just didn't care, right? Now... You just there's dozens of brands of people that are building their things that people like you and I can connect to, which for those that like that, right, who who see value in that, this model is is, is flipped everything upside down and 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 made the world so much bigger and and fun. I find well, I, coming from a very successful brokerage um, to real, which is relatively unknown in 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 our marketplace. Even the tech side gets me excited. The fact that I have an app that shows me exactly where the transaction is, my rev share, my payouts, um, uh, you know, our our um, stock purchase program, like it's incredible. I don't need to log into anything. It's just click the app. I know exactly where I'm at. I can even be in touch with my broker through through an app, 
Like that's technology, that's 2023, uh, as opposed to other models where it's still, they're still doing things by paper. It just doesn't make sense. I was coaching an, uh, an agent who had to bring their numbers in for me so we could talk about at the beginning of the relationship. The only way to get the numbers year to date were to go to the conveyancing folk, get them to print off something, send a PDF, and they didn't even have a document that I could manipulate as far as graph it for them. Um, and it blew my mind. That was one of the largest brands in the world mm -hmm. in one of the highest producing companies out of all the franchises. And it blew my mind that now we have this in the palm of our hands, which is very helpful for us to grow our business, give ourselves a little healthy sales urgency, you know, do all the fun stuff that, you know, drives and gamifies this business for us. I, um, I met with, um, an awesome manager that we know for, for another brokerage in town about a month ago. And we we're just chatting about just like investing stocks in our future. He's a, he's a pretty young guy. Um, and I asked him if your brand was publicly traded, would you put your life savings into it? Or would you even put a quarter of your life savings into it? And he said, no, absolutely not. And I said, then right. why are you committing the next five to 10 years of your life with them? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's it's cool. I mean, he, the energy around these things is great, and it is a win for all parties, and that's the coolest thing. It's finally the first time it's a win for all parties, right? It's never Absolutely. Been even right, so. even the co co sponsorship now, like you and I can can help a lot more agents together, and both benefit from it as well. And we can collaborate and work as a team to to accomplish a lot more that kind of touches on something that's really important is that that team that we talked we started this whole conversation about team and the value for team and supporting and given the things that you share that a brokerage never can do right and then now when you have these levels and attachments i.e co-fractional or even in any rev share model where there's a partnership vested interest the transfer of knowledge that is happening is is making the industry better when the industry is better the client's needs are serviced. It's pretty simple to me. I just see that clear line. And that's how we, who get the honor to be a part of these major life changes can do it in a positive way rather than a transactional way, right? That's the thing. Like we, we always need to be pushing the industry like to be better. I remember five years ago, how many listings had videos? One right. in 20, one in 30. Now I would say one in four, one in three have a video. And again, it's not just growing our brand. It's helping our clients get more exposure, get more money. Cause you're right. At the end of the day, it's always about the client. How are we improving the experience or getting them more money? How are we adding more value? I mean, think about it. If your agent as a client doesn't have enough capital to fund a video, you're disserviced, right? So now, so even if it is helping you desk or me, and we're crushing leads off of the backs of a really beautiful listing that you just did, that is putting your own agent in a more powerful position to serve you better, right? Right. So it, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an idea. Um, Lauren Madison, who who uh, it, you know was on on the Redline team, she still works with you. She's partnered with you, and and she joined our team a few months ago. Um, her and I went and did a listing presentation together. Uh, it's her her presentation, her everything. Uh, we leveraged the team. We leveraged the video and the track record. She just signed a $2.4 million listing today. Amazing. It's amazing. 
right? And it's just a collaborative, the group, just showing the client what we can do together. Mm -hmm. What, um, here's a, here's a marketing question for you. I mean, you're, you guys are a master between the combination of you guys at marketing. Where do you look for, for, for that? Like where, where are you looking out of industry? Are you, do you have a favorite marketing resource you guys tap into any nuggets you could share with some of the groups to say, you know what, I, I could probably got to up my, up this, <laughs> I got to spend a little time. We're, we're actually going to be purchasing like new cameras. We're renting, uh, some cameras for some upcoming listings and well, as well, just to test. I love looking at large competitive markets, much larger than ours. I think we have about 7,000 agents we compete against. Some marketplaces have a hundred thousand plus agents. So I love looking at um, what popular realtors in New York and LA are doing, uh, Miami are doing, and the ones that are doing it successfully. So not just the social media element, but like, how are they managing to sell these large homes? How are they adding more value to their clients? There's a lot of amazing agents, uh, especially video creators with real that I love favoriting and ripping off and repeating because it's they 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 do it right. Why reinvent the wheel when they've done an amazing job doing it? Um, I love looking at other industries as well, like um, looking at what is popular on social media now and how we can improve and just being critical. I think that we fell into this uh, trap of basic, like I'm busy. I'm just going to stand in front of the house. Hey, this is one, two, three, Apple Street. Uh, four bedrooms, three baths. Let's dive inside and take a look. Now it's a little bit more storytelling mm -hmm. and trying to get people to picture themselves inside the home, doing unique things. Sometimes I bring in humor. Those are the videos that seem to, to do best for me. Those outtakes behind the scenes um, or just, you know, making fun of myself at a home, right? Just trying to stand out a little bit. I'm still trying to find my way and, um, find my thing on social media. So I think I'm still like early in it. Uh, but just seeing what some of the agents with real are doing with video is amazing. Man, that's a good thing that you shared that. I mean, it's just like we finding your own voice is tricky, but you never find it if you don't start using it. And uh, I, I too, I'm, I'm on a two year content creation journey. And I still feel like I'm an infant. And I still feel like I'm trying to figure it out. And but again, I'm thankful for all of the misfires and the wins, just because you are, I'm getting closer to the voice that will naturally be part of my long-term brand, right? Mm -hmm. so. Oh man, uh, favorite book right now? You got a favorite book? Anything you read recently that you, that somebody needs to hear? Oh man, you know what? I um, I I have the worst ADHD that you can imagine. Um, so I like to reread books. So I've probably reread Relentless uh, by Tim Grover. I've re-listened and reread it maybe 20 times. Amazing. I try I, I try and go over it multiple times uh, a year. And the reason is it just it's a reminder where it's like if you think you're working hard, you're not working hard enough to be elite at that right. like next level, right? Because there's different levels of professionals. And if you want to be up here, it's that constant work. Uh, of like how to get better yeah i mean that's it's funny some of the smallest books i have are are books from ryan holiday mm. and uh i have them all on my desk here and there's a reminder but like they take forever to get through on purpose mm -hmm. right so like you said i reread i re-listen like for instance i'm looking at this this is a four-page chapter and i might only read one of those chapters this week and i'll just permeate on it and attempt to create some tangible change rather than just read another book right 
So yeah, like you need to get something from it. And that's where like podcasts, videos and the collaboration, I just collaboration for me has been a game changer over the past few years. And it's just, again, what are you doing in your business that I'm not and vice versa? And how can we both improve from this relationship? Yeah, man. Well, man, this has been actually two things. I think this is episode number 50. I think you might be graced with the 50th episode and I might be wrong. So if I, if someone listens this long, well, for one, we love you because this has been also, I think the longest episode I've had because you and I just kept going and I, and to be honest, I could have kept going for a lot longer. So uh, I appreciate this and the time you gave, because it's incredibly valuable um, for, to have you on for this long. I hope people really enjoy and stay to the end and it's been long overdue. Um, any parting words of wisdom or have we just drained you for now? <laughs> Again, man, I appreciate your time and I appreciate the invite. Um, honestly, consistency. I preach consistency in everything that we do. Uh, if there's one thing that you can just be consistent uh, uh, with in we generation, you'll do just fine. It may take three days, it may take three years, but you'll get there with the right type of uh, consistency. Amazing. Well, thanks, Desco. Again, go follow him at RepYYC. You know, check out what he's doing. Be a fan. Connect. Say you listen to the him on the podcast so he knows that you were there. And uh, thanks again. This was another re-education experience podcast. I'm grateful to have you as listeners. I'm grateful, Desco, for you being here and for my audience. I will see you again next time.